If you could see what I once was If you could go with me Back to where I started from Then I know you would see happens to you, whatever, whatever church you go to, whatever you do, don't ever get bitter at the speaker, because God will cut you off, and you won't get what he has for you, and so you forgive, let it go down the road, and just trust God that maybe it will work itself out. Um, that poor boy, when he confessed that to me, to this day, that boy is an agnostic, and has missed what God had for him, and eventually we'll find out. I want to talk to you about a uh, real encouraging subject. This is uh, a, a text that I texted Bob Carney back there. Bob's guarding the door back there. Uh, I texted Bob Carney this uh, to encourage him. I want you to take your Bible to Job, chapter 14, verse 1. I texted this to encourage Bob because I have a texting ministry. I don't text everybody, but if I get if I get your phone number and it happens to be up, I will text it, text you what my morning devotions may be. Now, sometimes it is, but this, this verse I wanted to re really encourage Bob with. I said, man, it's in, it's in Job 14.1, Job's answer. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And Bob thanked me for that. He said, you got any more good truth? I got one more here today. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 8. Written by Solomon, the wisest man ever lived, both then and now. Bible said there'll never be somebody come up like Solomon after him, nobody before him. He said, if a man live many years and rejoice in them all. In other words, you should rejoice in the day that God's given you today. Some of you 95 years old, you rejoice in the day that God's given you. Some of you may be in your early teens, rejoice in the day God's given you. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness. Yet, let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be, for they shall be, many. I don't like this verse. I really don't like Job chapter 14 either. How about you? I would like to say everything's going to come up roses. I'd like to tell you young people, things are going to work out, Woo, hallelujah, every day. But it's not seeing what the Bible says. Wisest man ever lived said, if you live very many years and rejoice in them, no doubt about it, but remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many, and all that cometh is vanity. In other words, in the end, without God, there's nothing, nothing permanent there. I've noticed some patterns in life. By the way, the title of this is Remember the Days of Darkness. I've noticed some patterns. I'm a, I'm a bass fisherman as well as other kind of fish. But I spent two days a month that I scheduled in when my son was home to fish with him, two Saturdays a month. I did bus ministry two Saturdays that I did not do the fishing ministry. The fishing ministry was a ministry. It was to spend time with my son where he was in a relaxed environment where he would open up and talk to me and we could talk about things. And I could get mad at him and chew on him for losing a 50-cent shiner, stuff like that. Make a fool of myself have to apologize, get right, 
But all of that's a teaching process, right? All that's a teaching process, all, all of that. And so um, if you're going to catch fish, you've got to learn their pattern. If you don't learn the pattern, you're not going to catch them. They have a pattern. They have a reason for where they go and why they do what they do. And when you learn all that, you'll begin to catch fish. And I know you came for that. But I also observe, I have the gift of alertness. If you're in our Sunday school class, you're going to notice we're going through 49 character traits. The first one today, starting on first one, is alertness. I have the gift of noticing. I notice things. It's a curse on one part of it, but it's also a gift on another part. Uh, if you're tempered by the Holy Spirit, it'll be a gift to you. If you're tempered by the flesh, it will be a curse to you. But I observe things, and I'm careful to observe them. And uh, I've noticed a pattern. One of these patterns is, let me ask you this question. Why do we, and when I say we, I mean generally, not everybody necessarily, but why do we try to help our children avoid the troubles that made us strong? It's a phenomenon of life that parents make great efforts to save their kids from the afflictions that were instrumental in making them successful and appreciative of what the opportunities that they had. My dad was a depression. I call them depression people. How many of you remember the depression people? Most of your moms and dads, depression people. We have a few depression people here. There are not many. I think, Brother Sikora, did you go through the depression? Yeah, he went through depression. How many here went through the depression remember it? Used to be a sea of hands. Now there's five. But these depression people, as I call them, well, I was my mom and dad. He was a Marine and a depression priest. So I had a kind of, and a boxer. So I kind of had three things going for me. The depression folks worked like they were going to starve to death the next day. They had a work ethic that was next to none. Uh, they, they worked like so that they would never, ever, ever be caught like they were in 1929 and following. But the phenomenon was they often did not, what made them the greatest generation, as people have said, what made them a generation that made a difference in the world, they did not pass on to their children, generally speaking. Often they gave to their children new cars to drive to school that the kid had never sweat for. They would give their children the finest clothes that their closets, in their closets, but they had never suffered for those clothes. My dad, remember, having hand-me-down, I go story after story about not having enough food for supper and having eight kids and two adults and, and six pieces of chicken and, uh, uh, and, and, and stealing to eat and, and stealing to have heat. Uh, coal, stealing coal so they could have some heat that night and just on and on. Uh, going without socks, uh, shoes with holes, uh, going to school and being embarrassed of the kids who had and all this other stuff that he went through. He never tried, well he did in some ways, he did remember this because I say it's not always, but generally speaking that group of people uh, would give their kids or make available to their kids large spaces, spacious houses and private bedrooms that they never had to sacrifice for. My dad slept in the same room with eight kids. Oh, we have two different kinds of children. We got to get a three-bedroom house. Sorry for the reaction. 
They give their kids $80,000 college educations that they did not have to labor for. They, they make available jobs for their children that the children did not have to compete for. Promotions of those children they did not really deserve but got because they were their kids. Untold luxuries that would take too much time to mention that these kids did not earn. So what does this do to that generation? Now remember, the generation doing this, they didn't have it that way. They had to earn everything. They had to scratch for everything. They had to work for everything. They didn't get a bunch of bonuses, a bunch of sweet stuff. But they did, the phenomenon is, they didn't reproduce that, generally speaking, to their children. They held back from their children the very things that made them successful and that made them great. So what happened? How their kids turn out, generally? Spoiled, temperamental, temper tantrum, soft, characterless, ungrateful, excessively sinful, sensual, and unthankful generation of people who had no clue what it takes to make it in the real world. I read an article by Bill Gates. Everybody know Bill Gates? Bill Gates worked in his garage, invented a little something, and made him some money. Bill Gates was talking at Mount Whitney High School in California, and he pointed out 11 things that these kids have not and will not learn in school. He talked about the, the feel-good political correct teachings that created a generation of children who had no concept of the real world or reality. And how this concept had set these children up for failure in the real world. Because see, the real world don't care. Here's what he said, I quote, Before you were born, your parents weren't as boring as they are now. They got that way from paying your bills, cleaning your clothes, listening to you talk about how cool you are. So before you save the rainforest from the parasites, of your parents' generation, try delousing the closet in your own room. That's good preaching. Oh, that's good stuff. He said, that's a quote from Bill Gates. He says, TV is another quote. TV is not real life. Duh! Well, I have to say it. He didn't put that in there. TV is not real life. In the real life, people actually leave the coffee shops and go to work. You could never have a soap opera if they worked. You could never have a soap opera if they worked. They got too much time off. Why? Why? Well, he went on in his, in his uh, little message to them, slamming their easy silver spoon lives that had no real touch with reality. He, and he was right about that. He's biblically right about that, whether he believes the Bible or not. Why? Because affliction is what molds good character, and you're not going to get it any other way. Affliction molds good character. Oh, it's hard for a parent to cause their children or to set up a situation where their children have to go through affliction. Oh, it's hard for us to watch 
the very things that helped you, but to voluntarily allow your children to fail. How many parents are in this room that are enablers? You're enablers. Your drug addict kid comes to you and asks you for help, you help them. You just enable him to remain a drug addict. Or your alcoholic child comes to you and says, Dad, I'm on down. No, don't help. Every dime you give will just continue to cause him to be able to maintain that lifestyle. I believe it was Steve Currington said, unless they go to the bottom, they never will recover from addiction. They have to go all, now, he did say this, for some bottom is death. You can't save your child. For some bottom is just losing everything. There's a guy sat in front of me at my desk one day, no teeth, rotted out of his head because of cocaine. He said, every time I got money to fix my teeth, I said, he said, three days of cocaine or getting my teeth filled pain. He went for the cocaine every time. He said, I don't care about my teeth. Lost his wife, lost his job, lost his teeth, lost everything that he had had. Wow. Affliction is what molds good character. Affliction tempers the spoiled child within us. Every one of us has a spoiled child here. Afflictions humble the proud self-righteous one within. Afflictions purge out the ingrate within. And that sets someone up for true success. Remember the dark days? Most of you say, I want to forget them, preacher. I want to forget the dark days. The Bible says, remember them. Categorize them. Catalog them. Actually review them. And the reason it says remember the dark days is because they can be forgotten. Now, he wouldn't say remember the dark days if they couldn't be forgotten. Make sense to you? Example, for Heather's sake, I turn to John chapter 16, verse 21, which should be one of your memory verses. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow, and you will. Because her hour is come. My prediction is July 9th. Because that's the day he's supposed to do camp. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. For joy of little Willie, born into the world. A boy born into the world. Now some of you women are going to try to contradict us and say, I remember it. Well, you don't remember it as vividly as it when it was happening. I can tell you that. We have a tendency to forget the dark days. We have a tendency to put that stuff down and cover it up with the, with the, uh, with the frostings of life, with the, with the great whoo, days of life. But the Bible says, no, 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 there's value in those dark days. There's value in hard times. Some of you, you're, you're either in, you either came out of hard times, you're going into hard times, or you're already in hard times. But hard times aren't all... You say, I don't want to be here. No, nobody wants to be in a Great Depression. Nobody wants to walk around with holes in their pants when they don't have to, except these young kids. I, nobody wants to do without food. Nobody wants to be, you know, nobody wants to have. But, brother, when God makes it so, and it just, you know, everything you struggle to do, yet it's going to happen, then look for something there because there's something that God's given you. 
He's going to teach you something in the middle of that thing. In the case of a hard job, many times I experienced doing a grueling job, and while I, I'm talking about physically grueling, and when I was doing it, I wondered if I would be able even to endure it. But a few days after the job, the sharpness of the pain began to be dull. As time played out, I, I only could remember the activity, but I really couldn't remember the painful reminder and the, the pain, the sting had been gone from the pain. Remember the dark days. Why? Because pride naturally replaces humility that the afflictions will bring to you. An affliction humbles you. It humbles you in a lot of levels. It humbles you in your, 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 your body, your soul, your spirit, whatever level. It hum, hum, humbling things, uh, afflictions tend to make you more humble. Prosperity tends to make you more proud. Even knowledge puffeth up. If you're real smart, remember everything you read. You're gonna get you're gonna get arrogant unless some afflictions come and balance off that ability to remember. Remember, if you're real smart here this morning and you remember everything you've read, that's just God let you have that. You didn't earn any of that. Oh, I read books, big deal. I read books too. I used to have a teacher that any book he ever read, he could he could quote a paragraph of it and tell you what was before and after it. He'd quote any verse in the Bible tell you that he could quote the part before it. Word perfect, by the way. King James, word perfect. He could quote before it and after it. We, set, we tested him for three, uh, three semesters I had him. I never could get him to fail. Unbelievable. I've never been around a guy like that. A humble guy. Humble. Why? God, that boy was humble because he couldn't even change his own tire. He was so uncoordinated. I thought, I can change my tire. He had to get help. Pride will replace your humil humility, and humility is what's going to cause you to succeed. Pride will not cause you to succeed. Humility will cause you to succeed. We can easily forget where our success comes from and who helped us get there. The process of self-exaltation comes if we do not carefully review the dark days, because God will give you bright days and dark days and bright days and dark days through life. You're going to have a light, you know, less affliction, more affliction, no affliction. Prosperity. Woo! Well, that prosperity is fine, won't hurt you if it's balanced off with dark days, the remembrance of the dark days. You can ha have you ever known anybody get rich and they handled it well? And then you've known people to get rich, and it ruined them. They got proud, they got cocky, they got puffed up. Part, part of the difference there is the difference between exposure and their mind and where they were, whether they were thinking that they got it because they deserved it or had some special gift or different than everybody else, or it was just by the grace of God that they got it. They remembered the dark days. Why remember the dark days? Because we need to be reminded that the process of success and character training cannot and does not come from prosperity. It comes from affliction. Affliction 
is your friend. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that, live, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Acts chapter 14, verse 22 says, Confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. There's not going to be a free ride. These lessons must not be lost. They must be reviewed, the Bible says. That's what Solomon said. And told to others, so in some degree they know where you've come from. I love to hear the stories of Brother Gillespie living above the pigs in the pig barn at college. Now, you know what pigs smell like? Well, never mind. Pigs actually are cleaner than dogs until they get into the wallow. But you can't keep them out of the wallow. You can clean a pig up all real nice. As soon as he gets the opportunity, he hits the mud again because they just love it. Well, I love to hear the time when Tom, they'd work real hard, real hard, real hard, and, and, and he said, Mom, I think I, I got this right, that his mom and dad never made over $5,000 in one year. I love to hear that. It set Tom up. Those hard times helped Tom for the times he's in now. Dark days will be many. How, how many? I don't know. I don't tell you how many. And, and by the way, everybody's different, right? You got a certain amount of dark days. I got a certain amount of dark days. You got a certain amount of dark days. You got a certain amount. God never tells you how many dark days, but he, but he guarantees you something. I'll guarantee you this morning you're going to have some dark days. Now, you that are very old say, preacher, you don't have to tell me that. And I've already had dark days. I lost a kid to this, or I, I, I lost a husband died or a wife died, or, or you had financial crisis, or uh, you, you, you had all kinds. Uh, you had a cancer, uh, you had something happen to you, you went to the doctor, thought you had nothing, he told you you got three days to live. I mean, dark days will come, and there'll be many in the big picture. Now, you say, you young people are going there, oh, 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 I thought it was going to be better than this. If you trust God, you'll be like some of these old boys who say, those were the good old days. Isn't it weird to you? My dad used to say this. He used to say during the Depression, during our hardest time, darkest times, he said, there was still something good about it. He said, those were really the good old days. I used to think, our good old days? And I'm, thinking, I'm talking back there to, to an oil driller. Yeah, when coffee was five cents. Too many pastors have remained safe and secure by not being transparent to their congregations and been exalted in places they do not belong. In Romans 12, 16, be of the same mind one to another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Talk about the dark days. Share some of the dark days. Don't keep them to yourself. Let other people, let it, like Brother Tom share with me some of his dark days, some of his hard times. When he first interned as a veterinarian, he shared some of those stories with me. I won't share them because those are his stories. And, and, and it encouraged me by hearing the troubles. Does that sound sadistic a little bit? It shouldn't. But it encouraged me by hearing his troubles. And it'll encourage you by hearing people's troubles that you're not alone. It makes you feel like, wow, man. I guess I'm not alone. Or 
sometimes you're going to think, I've got it worse than anybody else on earth. And then you hear somebody else, you say, hey, I haven't gone through anything compared to those people. That's what helps by sharing the days of darkness with each other. Kathy and I in our marriage had a terrible start, terrible start. Let me just start right out and say it was all my fault. Takes two to tango. We drank deeply of our cup of humiliation and, and lowliness. We started out reaping of the wild oats that we had sowed earlier on, and we had some serious dark days, maybe some dark years. I was married. She was 18. I was 19. I, I hadn't really, I did not know how to make a living on my own. But as my mom and dad said, as soon as you get married, you're not welcome in this home anymore. And her mom told her, as soon as you get married, you're not welcome in this home anymore. Well, if I'm not welcome in my mom and dad's home, and I'm not welcome in my, in my in-law's home, what home am I welcome in? Yours. I don't have a home. The first job, I remember when I went into floor covering, the feelings of hopelessness that went over me like a wad, like a swells of the ocean. The feeling of total insecurity would go over my soul. I'm a floor covering repair guy. I went and bought a new Dodge truck, new tools, new clothes. I went in as a mechanic and the people would come out. The ladies, I'll never forget, would come up to the door when I came to the door with my brand new toolbox. I would open my toolbox and they would cry, he's got new tools. He's got new truck. He's got new clothes. Where's the mechanic? I said, I'm the mechanic. She said, you could be over 16. You got $5,000 worth of my carpet to lay today, and you're 16. She'd call the floor grocery store. What are you doing to me sending me a kid out here? Oh, he can do it. Trust him. I said, well, lady, trust me. I can do it. I didn't know if I could do it. I had swollen knees, man. My knees would get like this. I'd be kicking carpet in all day. Saying, God, is this what you have for me? And the answer was, yes, and a whole lot more. I remember overwhelming uncertainty of moving to Greenville, South Carolina, and God called me to go to Bob Jones University. With no outside help. I feel I remember the feelings of lostness and loneliness. I remember how frustrating it was. I couldn't even go down the road for a hamburger without a lousy map. Because Greenville is one of the most crazy cities you ever lived in. I'm used to Florida where the roads are laid out on, on right angles of each other and it's all flat. But you go up there and there's no road that doesn't do this. And, and by the way, they changed the name of that five times. And then the guy that gives you, the way they give direction in Greenville is, you go past Aunt Susie's house. You know where Aunt Susie's house? No, I don't know where that's at. Well, that's down the road for Pete's. And then when you see that big oak tree, I don't know where that's at. Well, yeah, there's a tree over there. You take it left. I mean, telling you, you had to go to the, no GPS back there. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, that would have been GPS. 
open up those dark days. And I remember the feelings of failure. I remember Kathy having the baby and being home alone all day long, speaking baby talk. And I'd come home and she'd be dying to talk to a real human. And, 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 and she'd want to start talking to me and I'd say, Kathy, I can't talk to you. I got four hours worth of homework to do and I got to read 600 pages tonight. She said, all you do is stick your nose in a book. I said, that's right, exactly what I got to do. Her and I were like ships in the night passing. Go to bed at 2, get up at 5. Leave all day, come home 10 o'clock at night, eat a quick meal. I noticed that the dishes piled up in the sink and the laundry piled up. And, and I wasn't real smart back at then, but I feel like she may have been depressed. Being she had all day to do the dishes and all day to do the laundry and nothing else to do but take care of this kid. And I was dying, wondering, what is wrong with you? Compassionate. Those are dark days for our marriage. Those were hard days to run through. No ha-ha, you know, ooh, you know, uh, playing love songs in the background. Our romance song is, we'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work. Till Jesus comes, we'll work. Till Jesus comes and we'll be gathered home. That's our love song. I finally came to the point where I told her, look, I'm not very good at romance, but I'm a good mechanic. What was all that for? It was so I could remember. It was so that I could know where I, know where I come from. Today in our vacation, we were talking about vacation Bible school here recently and giving prizes out, and bicycles don't ring the bell of these kids much anymore. They want a helicopter. A new Mercedes, a new Harley Davidson. Uh, they don't get too excited. You know, you say, well, we're giving away a bicycle. We used to be able to go say, we're giving a bicycle. The kids would go, hey, a bicycle. I'll get 20 of my friends. We'll come to VBS, and, and I'll, maybe I'll win that bicycle. <sighs> bicycle. I got three of them. I stole two, and I got one of my neighbors. That one looks like the one that was in our in our in our in our bus barn. And we're talking about well, what what would motivate these kids? What motivates them? And Chris was just as close to him as Moon and I are quite a ways away from him. I says, "Well, Chris, what do you think would motivate him?" It's like a, it's like coming up with like three four hundred dollar gifts. I said three four hundred bucks. I said I got an idea. As long as you pay for them, we'll buy them. I've got a kid coming. Dark day. When the kid's got a little colleague, stays up all night long crying. And mama's so tired from, she didn't get her nap last, yesterday. Oh, it'll stress your love a little bit, won't it? You, just, you may get a little grouchy. You may. Just get a little bit great. But all that, by the grace of God, if you react right to it and you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, God will use those afflictions. He will use those pressures. He will use those hard things. He will use those tribulations to make you a success and to prosper you in the end 
Because without that dark day, you can't stand prosperity. There's nobody ever has survived well through constant prosperity. They become super, super egotistical, califragic, expialidocious. You can't live with them. Nobody wants to be around them. The little small rich kid, he hates himself. I like Job. The same Job, by the way, that did 14.1. I don't think I sent you this one, though, brother. Job 23.10 says, but he, he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, these are the dark, and when he hath tried me, God is going to try you why he loves you. My dad, my dad's, uh, I wanted to go to Christian camp. I never went to Christian camp, not one time. My dad says, I have a, I have a camp for you. My dad was floor covering guy, laid floor covering, mixed up mud, did it the old-fashioned way with a two-inch mud bed, laid it in there, it lasts forever. The Romans are the ones that started that whole thing. Their stuff's still there. And so he said, you're my mud boy. So what's a mud boy? He said, you'll find out. And so he would have me mix in cement, and it, it was always a little too wet or a little too dry. In my entire mud boy days, I never had a perfect set of cement. It was a too wet. Next time, make it a little bit drier. Next time, make it a little bit wetter. Next time, make, hurry up. You're taking too long. And, he's, and, they, and all his people that worked for him, my name was Bill Lytell, but I didn't know it. My name was Mud Boy, m -m 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 Mud Boy. And the more they thought it irritated you, the more they did it. You never let them know it bothered you. And you say, m -m 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 Mud Boy, Mud Boy, come on, Mud Boy, come on. Hey, that's too wet. Do it a little drier next time. I got where I didn't need compliments. Brother, if you live life where you've got to have compliments, you're in a sad shape. Because trust me, you ain't going to get a lot of them. you gotta, you got to do the right thing even when you don't want to do it. Ooh, those are what the dark days teach you, don't they? Mud boy. He said, Dad, I want to go to Christian camp. He said, you don't get to go to Christian camp. You get to go to mud boy camp. I said, please let me go. He wouldn't even let me get into Boy Scouts. I want to get into Boy Scouts. He said, that's just a way to get out of the mud boy. You're working with me. That's true. And trust me, if he was here today, I'd give him a hug. I'd say, thank you, Dad. Thank you. Thank you for passing on to me some of what you learned in the dark days. So that I, when I go to college, could pass those exams and write those papers and go to the library and do the work I needed to do and work 40 hours a week on top of that and work in pain, and work in sweat, and work in affliction, and go home to a grouchy woman, and deal with all of that, and, and, and make it through it all by the grace of God. Yeah. I hope you remember the dark days, because there'll be many. But don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. God loves you, and that's why he's going to let you have some dark days. Look for the dark day to train you, like, like boot camp, to save your life. My dad never got bitter at his, at his drill sergeant, though his drill sergeant was very mean to him. He'd take his underwear, if they weren't just clean, he'd throw them in the mud in front of the rest of the men, take his foot and go like that. 
He said, pick that up now. Next time, do it right. He said, I want to kill him. Until he got on, until, until, he, until he was on the LST headed towards Saipan and he could hear the bullets hitting that door and, and the flying overhead like angry bumblebees. And he said, I realized the guy was trying to save my life. He didn't care about my little feelings, whether they got hurt or my little personality. Maybe it got a little injured. He was concerned about me living, succeeding, and overcoming. There's bigger things that the dark days will teach you and help you. Father, help us today. Help us to get this message. Don't let anything stop it. Because everybody in this room and the sound of my voice over the internet, wherever this goes, are going to have dark days. And the Bible says they will be many. Help us not to get bitter at God. Feel, suck our thumb and feel like God, the world didn't, we didn't get a good hand. God didn't deal me a good hand. and Oh, poor me. Instead of feeling sorry for ourselves, which is absolutely non-productive, may we use our pain for that which is good to motivate us to do the right thing. There will be some in this room, I don't doubt, I have absolute surety that I'm speaking to somebody in this room, that you're getting ready to walk into some dark days. Embrace them. Until God says you can come out of them. And then when you come out of them, thank Him for them and learn the lesson they had for you. Don't miss it. Father, help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you can contact us at gospelbaptistchurch.com for our website. Or go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Or call the office at 239-947-1285. Thank you. God bless.